As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Welcome to Why Always Us. This is your Manchester City podcast from The Athletic. I'm David Mooney and I'm joined by The Athletic City correspondent, Sam Lee. Hi, Sam. Uh, yeah, hello. Uh, how you doing? Uh, yeah, good. I'm looking forward to the murder mystery element of today's podcast. <laughs> uh, well, good. yeah, who did it? That's the uh, that's the question. Uh, oh, who? I, I can't. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be really difficult to work out. Who could it be? <laughs> Indeed. Uh, right. Well, right now you can subscribe to the Athletic for a special price of three pounds ninety nine a month for six months. That's forty percent off the full price of a subscription. You'll enjoy great analysis and in depth features from the very best football writers around, as well as ad free versions of all the podcasts as well. Just go to theathletic.com forward slash slash Man City Pod to take advantage of this special 40% discount. That's theathletic.com forward slash Man City Pod. And if you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review as well. Um, before we get into all of the uh, the nitty gritty of this week, Sam, uh, the, the big news from uh, from the Fulham game especially was that Aguero got on the score sheet for the first time in uh, 14 months. And that's a calculation that was getting on my nerves. I'm not going to yeah, lie to you. Yeah. Um, because it was like, it, it was it was a big thing. Oh, Aguero's not scored. Can you believe it? It's been 14 months. It's like, well, he's played 14 games. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's 14 games in that time. Um, most of them were in the final 10 or 20 minutes of games. His total minutes were actually 645 between his two Premier League goals, which is actually still a lot for him. But like, even so, that's totaled up mainly of 10 and 15 minutes at the end of matches. That like, It's yeah. just over seven sets of 90 minutes. So it's not like it's it's not a huge surprise that it's been this long if that's the only game time he's been getting, is it? No, I, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know why people do stuff like that it's just so like superficial isn't it like it it doesn't stand up to any kind of scrutiny but the thing is I know people aren't saying it to criticise and maybe people are thinking you know it, it's part of the agenda or whatever and I know people weren't happy with the BT commentary at the weekend but that's an ongoing thing isn't it uh, <laughs> but I don't think they were doing it as a kind of oh Aguero's crap isn't he he's not scored any but, but it's just like a weird such a lazy kind of, it's like well fine you could say oh well he hasn't like, it is 14 months but it's like, does, like we're not stupid though are we yeah, it's like, it's it's done as a as a kind of uh, oh, can you believe it's been that? Yeah, long? exactly. It's, like, it's just oh, like yeah. It's, yeah, it's like, oh, look at this. This is an incredible stat, isn't it? It's like well, it's not incredible at all, is it? Like 
He's been out with a serious knee injury <laughs> and COVID and the hamstring injury and whatever else. Yeah. So, uh, well, yeah. ultimately, though, Guardiola was asked after the falling game what the goal would do for Aguero. Uh, this is what he said. Everyone want to jump inside of the bus. So more than welcome. So, of course, it's so important, his goal. And he played 90 minutes for a long time. He moved really well in a, in a tough, tough side. So physicality, they read the following man, almost men to men when he dropped. It was not easy, easy <coughs> for the guys. But we were patient, especially we were incredible, solid behind, defending really well, uh, no concede in the set pieces, and all, all 11 players, plus Fernandinho and Eric, finally could give him some minutes, so all of them were, were fantastic. So absolutely nothing about Aguero in that answer there. Uh, no, that, everyone that was... wants to get on the bus. Like I, yeah. I'm normally quite good at translating what Guardiola is talking about, or at least have an idea. I don't know what he's on about there. I wonder if it's because he did the press conference from the moon by the sounds of it, you know. It's, uh... <laughs> yeah. Well, they, you know what, Fulham, this is boring chat to anyone, but obviously just everyone's just using Zoom for press conferences. So it's like, yeah, here's your Zoom link. Yeah, you don't need a password. Just type in who you are. Fine, come in. Um, Fulham's like, yeah, you need to download this app called like Ring something. And like, I thought it was, I, at first I was like, is this the app you used to like pay for parking on your phone? <laughs> and it was, and it was That's like, a joke yeah. exclusively for people in Stockport, by the way. <laughs> uh, is it, no, it can't just be a local thing. I I'm sure Ringo's only in Stockport. It might be in other, other well, parts it's of the definitely UK, in Manchester, but, yeah. but I'm sure it's in where I'm from as well. Anyway, um, but yeah, and then they had the cheek to say it's like the world's best like video conferencing software. I was like, right. And I opened it, and it was genuinely the same interface as Zoom, like <laughs> exactly the same. But then, so I asked my question, and I could I could just tell the audio was horrific. Like I could hear it kind of feedback in, but not not straight away, but like really echoey, like a couple of seconds later. And I actually said, "Don't worry, forget it." I, know, was, like, I was going to say the, the absolute best bit of that press conference was where Pep asked you to either shorten or, yeah. or do your question, and you just went, "Now nah, forget it." <laughs> oh, you could hear it. Okay, fine. But no, Pep, Pep said, uh, "Say it again, or ask a shorter question." I was like, "Yeah, fair, fair enough." Um, but yeah, it was, yeah, it was awful. And I don't know if that press co- that clip was. I don't even remember that Aguero thing being from the press conference. I guess it was. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, I know that's boring. But it was just like, what? I think they're sponsored by this this company, so they have to use it. But making us download software onto our precious nah, article-filled computers. No. Not, not for me. Let's take a... Anyway, let, let, we let's didn't take talk a about turn, yeah. either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's take a turn back onto the podcast street and yeah. uh, and talk about Aguero briefly. Um, he did he did look a lot sharper, didn't he, against Fulham? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, the first half... I mean, obviously, the whole the whole lineup thing. Like to to be fair, because obviously there was rumours of the lineup being weird all day on Twitter. By the time it was announced, I didn't think it was like, oh god, this is mad. But obviously, if nobody had heard anything and that had been announced, it would have been. To be fair, it would have been like, what the hell is going on? Um, I did. I was trying to work out how it could be conceived as weird, just from the eleven names, and I did think it would be. A back five, basically. I was like, yeah. what if all centre-backs are named and Cancelo and Zinchenko? Um, obviously, didn't expect Mendy either, so that was another layer of it. So, yeah, it was disjointed. Um, it didn't really work in the first half. And it's one of those where, obviously, it was a good win. I said it was an odd performance, but a good win. I do think it was an odd performance because if City had a lost in not just this game, but like any game, like last season when Guardiola would always say, you know, we created more chances, we were better. 
And you couldn't disagree, even though they weren't great, you couldn't disagree. But like the opposition had scored with like one shot on target or something. Like if City are going to score from a set piece and then a mistake at the back and then a penalty, it's like it wasn't the most fluid City performance, obviously, was it? So the whole changed formation, I mean, I don't know why he did it. I don't know what his thinking was. Um, there, an element of rest um, for some players, of course. But I, I, maybe that was just the way he thought he could he could rest all of those players without bringing in because you know, maybe he thought, oh, I can't get Torres to do what Mares does. And I don't want De Bruyne and I don't want Gundogan to play because they're being rested. Didn't want Sterling to play, play quite clearly. Um, and maybe he just thought, well, this is the best way I can go about it, actually. Yeah. Um, but, it, but in that sense, and I suppose he obviously thought, well, I don't want to lose. So because it, I was thinking for a second, he might have played Garcia. Because if you're going to play three centre-backs, it's a bit of a risk. Because if there's just a chance of one of them getting injured. I thought he might have like he might have like rested Diaz and put in Garcia if he was really going for it, but it was a bit of a strange one. Yeah, first half wasn't particularly good, was it? They didn't look particularly joined up. Aguero was all right, I think, but then yeah, looked more and more sharp as as the game went on, and that's just what people are going to want. Like I know we haven't done a press conference since the Southampton game, um, but <laughs> the reaction on Twitter it was mad. It was like every, literally everybody was like desperate for him to score, like it was his last game ever. Or it was like <laughs> it was like his testimonial. He's like, you've got to score any testimonial kind of thing. Like everyone was so desperate for him to score. Obviously, I didn't quite get that vibe on on Saturday with the Fulham game, but it's just yeah, it's just clear that everybody wants him to be sharp and everybody wants him to finish the season well, whatever comes next. Yeah, uh, just quickly, any updates on the contract situation? Do we know anything on on that more, well, or I'm, still where we were? It's a bit awkward timing on this podcast, but I'm I'm supposed to be speaking to someone later on with a bit of an update on Aguero. I mean, like like I was always saying in like January time, like it's not ideal, obviously, because it's March. You know, then I was like, it's January, and then it's February, and that, and now it's March, and he's not played too much, and obviously they wanted him to be fit by the end of last year. So I was always saying that there is time for it to turn around because you know if he scores five to ten goals scores important goals in the Champions League they might think yeah it's worth it's worth keeping you around I mean I think at the moment I'm not I'm personally not confident that he's going to stay I don't I'm not from what I've heard and not just like you know all the reports about Barcelona or whatever um, I I don't think he's going to stay but um, I am very conscious of the fact that things can change so quickly in football. Yeah. And like the Laporte situation, for example, we were talking about that a couple of months ago, but he's played so much now. It's like, well, even if he wasn't happy then, is he still going to be pissed off now kind of thing? Things can change in two to three months. So no, I'm going to get a bit of an update. Um, Hopefully I can write something about Aguero this week if it's relevant or the information is is good enough to put out there. Um, But I just think it's good news that he's, you know, he's he's obviously back in the team. It kind of puts to bed some of the theories about Guardiola not using him fairly. I know he didn't exactly put Aguero in, you know, right at the number nine of his strongest team, you know, which would be whatever, Foden on the left, Myers on the right, and, you know, the the three lads in midfield, but whatever, you know, it it was in a rotation team. But I think it was good to see him get 90 minutes, as Guardiola said. Obviously scored. It's, it's funny as well, another tangent, but the whole penalty shambles started because we weren't quite sure if Aguero was consistent enough from the spot, and he probably isn't. Like, but It's just funny now that after about 18 months of experimentation, it's just, oh, just give it back to Aguero, forget oh. anyone else taking it. 
Uh, did you see the video during the rounds on Twitter yesterday? Um, no, I didn't. It was uh, John Stones taking a penalty for Everton uh, in a pre-season friendly against Juventus, and he just penenkers it into the top corner. Oh, like, really? He's been here all this time, and nobody's thought about this. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, God. that's I, I can't believe I've not seen that, because I can't believe I've not seen some kind of bandwagon for, right, next penalty, Stones has got to take it, because especially how <laughs> popular and well-liked Stones is among like, yeah. the fan base at the moment. Uh, yeah, okay. Well, I'd like to see that. I'd, I'd, I still would like to see Edison take one more than anything, but obviously it's not going to happen. Yeah. I was, prom- um, I was promised a goalkeeper would take a penalty and then Aguero bores the lot of us, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, well, there was a rumour last week. I can't remember what game it was last weekend. And it was like people next, people close to Edison say next time there's going to be a penalty, he's going to take it. But that's just right. obviously yeah. just him going, I'm going to fucking take that penalty. <laughs> and someone in the team is absolutely not happening. Well, we know yeah. someone in the pep, obviously. Yeah. Um, let's... Uh, get on to the uh, selection though with this because uh, have a listen to this this is Guardiola speaking to Sky Sports after the 5-2 win over Southampton in midweek the players will decide for their behaviours and how they compete now we arriving in the right moment of the season in the right moment of the season when it's not many games of course they're going to play the players who helped me a lot during this season helped the team a lot the players uh, I'm going to rotate less is going to the players who, who thinks about uh, you know the club and uh, the team, and uh, the rest will sit in the bench. Uh, and that was that was obviously Guardiola to Sky Sports after the Southampton game. Uh, yeah. Let's let's have a listen to this before we get into what he was what he means. Let's have a listen to this from the uh, from after the Fulham game. Uh, again, sounds a bit like it's underwater, but you know we'll go with it. Just wanted to ask Pep. There was no Raheem Sterling tonight. Is he is he okay? Is he just resting? Yeah, he's okay. Does he does he come back into the squad for Tuesday night, Pep? Tomorrow we'll have the training, we'll see. You just felt like you needed a bit of a rest, yeah? Eric deserves to be here too. So Nathan Ake will be soon here too. So everybody want to be involved from the beginning. So now it's perfect because we take six, seven players every game. Everybody's fit. You know, it's going, it's working well. Or how brilliant we are in our decisions. And after uh, the feed we're going to take, or going to, you know, to complain or to 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 say why we rotate too much or why the players don't play or didn't play in that game, we miss them. So to win the title, especially the Premier League and all the titles, we need everyone, everyone, everyone for the best for the club, for the best for the team. So when that's happened, we can compete uh, in, in all in all competitions after the end. So Sam, what's going on there? Um, because I mean, obviously uh, Sterling didn't even make the bench, as, as uh, the question was uh, was was pointed out there. It was for tactical reasons. Um, there was the whole rumours of the fallout online. Sterling came out and denied it on uh, on on uh, Sunday evening. It's the thing that the thing that's confusing me about all this is that when Guardiola wants to make a point, he he makes sure you know it, doesn't he? Yeah. Um... I'm going to write some something about this, I think, um, today, Monday. And the intro I've already got is, and it's probably an intro I've used three or four times already, but you know when Guardiola wants to make a point because he goes out of his way to make it and he does it on his own terms? You can't ask him a question. Like, for example, it was always Sane. It was always, and it would always be an innocent question. It would always be, how good is Leroy Sane? Can he be one of the best players in the world? And he would always come back with, oh, well, you know, if he wants to get to that level, he needs to do this, he needs to improve that, blah, blah, blah. And it was like, oh, and you would come away thinking, 
all right, what's going on there? I mean, then the next press conference would go, so Sane then, what's the issue exactly? And he'd go, oh, no, 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 no. There's, you know, there's no doubts about Sane's ability. And it's like, you've, like, he's, <laughs> he's really that like, difficult. And that, but that's how he does it. He will um, do it on his own terms and he'll, he'll bring it up when you're not expecting it. Um, and then if we, if, Look, um, people might think I'm leading this in a certain way, and there's only there's only so much I can say about this. Partly because Guardiola's got a press conference on Monday, which will be rec- uh, which will be conducted after we record this. Um, but um, yeah, there's just loads of weird things. But um, if you remember, in November it was basically the start of the season. City weren't playing well, and the narrative fueled by Guardiola actually, because Guardiola was talking every week about. Uh, oh, we, yeah, we've got to play three times a week. There's no time to train. It's just recover. We didn't have a preseason. Uh, you know, the schedule's bad. You know, we're, it's the whole, you know, we're killing the players, that kind of thing. So he was asked, I think it was after the Burnley game because City had a Champions League game next and they'd already qualified with two games to spare. The question was another innocent one. You know, you've got a couple of Champions League games now. Are you going to rotate? And that's when he did the, I don't care if people have been here two or three years and they've won trophies. If they're not performing now, they ain't playing. And everyone was like, Jesus. That's Yeah, that was out of the blue. Yeah, where, where's that come yeah, from? Like, yeah, like, hold on. Like, and we also thought, you know, we were talking about rotation five minutes ago because that's what you've been talking about for weeks. Um, and that's what, like, how, he'd, how he'd been doing. That was a time when he was, he had like a midweek team, didn't he, for Champions League games. And he had like a weekend team. It was how it was how Stones got back into the setup. Yeah, it was because Stones was playing well in the midweek team. And then he eventually got into the weekend team. That's how I like to think of it. Um <laughs> So that so that was that was like right okay and then obviously I was able to find out since and people you know I don't, I I'm not sure if this has been said elsewhere so I can have other people back me up or whatever but I found out since that the the, the main person that was aimed at was Laporte and which at the time we didn't really know you know we just thought Laporte was out for a couple of weeks didn't we like oh we'll just yeah. we'll see what happens but then it was a kind of it was a thing and again I can't I've not been able to talk about too that much too much but he wasn't happy about being left out and the message was kind of if you get taken out of the team and you don't like it, then, you know, you're out of the team. And I've, I do, I was told at the time that Sterling, there was a bit of, there was an element of that for Sterling as well. Um, so that came out of the blue. It was an honest question about rotation and he chose his time to, to make his point, as you said. So Wednesday, after the Southampton game, the question was another innocent one. It was, everyone's fit. This is a good position for you, isn't it? And then he he did the whole um, people who think about the team and not themselves will play. And if they don't think about the team, then they'll be on the bench. And I didn't see that because he was on Sky and I was lucky enough to be at the game, obviously. Uh, and people were talking about it in the Q&A. And to be honest, I thought at first I was like, well, people were like, is this a, you know, is this a message again? And I was like, well, this is just a, you know, that's just how you manage a team, isn't it? You yeah. pick the players who are, you know, he's got, he's got loads of players who are really good. Um, and they all deserve to play. So this is just how you do it. Like if, if it's just a way of keeping the mentality. And then somebody asked and kind of framed it in a different way that made me think in a different way. I think they said, you know, the last time this was asked, this this was said, it was about Laporte. You know, do you think he sent in a message to someone? And I was like, I wonder who that could be. I was like, because I was like, maybe Laporte, but obviously he played tonight. And if there was an issue with him, then he wouldn't, he wouldn't play. Um, And then, yeah, roll around. Saturday. Saturday evening. Um, um, so, and this is the mad thing, right? Because Saturday evening there was the rumor about um, a bust up. I don't think it mentioned any names, um, but the player was unhappy about being left out against Southampton. Um, made his case known. So it, it happened between 
the rumour alleges it happened between the team, Guardiola telling the players the team on Wednesday morning and before kickoff. And the rumour was there'd been a bit of a bust up and Pep had bollocked the player and said, no, you know, this isn't how we do things. Um, quite heated. I, I've, well, I'm not sure if that's the rumour or I'm conflicting what I've heard over the weekend. And, and then obviously Sterling was left out against Fulham. And Guardiola, no, nobody, you know, City didn't say it was it was injury because you know City, like City's like communication team get like a list, and it, it will just you know the 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 first team operation will say, oh, he's injured. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Yeah, I've always wondered before games when players have been left out and then, you know, everybody seems to be, oh, such a body picks up a knock on Friday morning or whatever. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, oh, that's, yeah. That's, that's just how, like, I, I hope I haven't kind of given away any industry secrets that will annoy other <laughs> journalists or, you it's know. It's not a huge one if you have, to be but fair. No, exactly. Yeah. It's just, a, it's you know, it's just, a, it's just a good way of kind of clearing up information you know it's actually it's one of the examples of when the, the kind of relationship between the press and the press office actually flows quite smoothly because they've got a list that the first team have given them and it will say injured or tactical decision and obviously within tactical decision it could be anything you know it could be um well you know they do say not fully fit but it could be you know Guardiola just thinks well I'll rest him this weekend he can stay at home with his with his new son or whatever yeah. And he'll come back in the weekend. So there's all different things like that. But obviously Sterling was out with the backdrop of these rumours on Saturday night. Guardiola was then asked after the press conference, and I, I can't even remember, I know we've just heard it, but um, there was a couple of, it was one of those when, you know when gives you an answer and it's two words, and then he just like stares blankly at you, or, uh, or at the camera or whatever, for like five seconds, and you're like, right, are we not carrying on? And like I remember, I asked him about Mares being left out of the squad against Huddersfield in January 2019. That was Mares' first season, and I didn't, I didn't um, follow up like those Sterling questions at the weekend. But it, I can't even remember what I asked, but I remember the answer definitely being, "Yep," or "Yep, fine." You know, just like a really short one like that. <laughs> and then it was afterwards I found out that Mares had been complaining about being in and out of the team, and Guardiola said, "Right, well." You're well, out you're the out of the team then. Yeah. Yeah, it was a bit like Sane at the start of God, was it that season as well? Yeah, it was, this new, is the it, was it was Newcastle. It was Newcastle at it home. It was Newcastle, um, yeah, yeah. Where and the rumours were out on the Friday night. Because yeah. I remember a couple of us a couple of us journalists, we'd gone over to Leeds, Leeds Middlesbrough with Bielsa, and it was nil nil. Like the the one Leeds game that was nil nil. Uh, <laughs> that was really annoying on the Friday night and the traffic was awful on the M60 on the way home but um, that was the rumour we were trying to get confirmed and all of that and obviously so yeah and it's also a mad thing this is a tangent but fine if, you, if you're writing at the end of the season all the things that happened off the, se- off the pitch and they don't win the league in 2018-19 you could be like well they were never going to win it it was a disaster because De Bruyne got injured in the, in the August so that happened with Sane in September 
the men like the kickoff with Mendy about being late back to training for the Anthony Joshua fight was, uh, and it being banned from like the training ground was end of September October. The Mares thing happened in January. Like De Bruyne kept being, coming in and out with injuries. God knows what else happened, and they won the league anyway. So it's like it doesn't. It goes to show that even if there are bust ups in the team, there. It's weird because I'm not trying to tell people. I'm not trying to cause trouble and say there are bust ups, but also I'm not trying to like be a patsy for City and say it doesn't matter. It, sometimes it happens, but sometimes it doesn't matter. The team wins the league anyway, yeah. like, especially with City. Like City are like 99% sure going to win the league, but if there has been a bust up, well, you know, Sterling's denied it, so make of that what you will. But if there has been, and everything points towards that, um, it's it's not... It's a weird one because people are obviously saying. So if we if we kind of catch up, so Sunday there was the extra rumor of a screenshot from Reddit, which was everywhere, and it had said Sterling had had a row with, and Foden was involved, and De Bruyne backed them up. So Guardiola dropped all of them, but only left Sterling at home because he didn't want to make too much of a point. And he was trying to show them they could win. And that's bollocks. Like, as far as I've been told over the weekend, that's not true. Foden was nowhere near it. Uh, De Bruyne was nowhere near it. And uh, Sterling has obviously denied that, just basically all of it on Twitter. So that that's not true. But, like, fans kind of went, well, obviously, that, that sounds ridiculous. And Sterling denied it. So it's like, well, okay, well, this is bollocks. And then, obviously, Pep's quotes came out at half 10, which are kind of like, to go way back to what you were saying about making a point, it's obvious, I think, just from what Pep said after this West, the Wednesday game and the Fulham game when he was asked specifically about Sterling, it's obvious I, I would suggest to you, the listener, that something has happened just based on how Guardiola normally makes his points and addresses these things about, you know, players being left out or whatever, if there's an issue. I I, I would suggest that it even would follow if, the if I hadn't heard anything else that that is, that there's something's happened. And obviously because Sterling's denied it, which is fair enough, um, a lot of fans are either saying, well, just nothing happened, obviously, because Sterling's denied it. Or they've listened to what Guardiola said and gone, okay, well, it's just a bit of a storm in a teacup. Um, yeah. But that, that, that's and- the other thing. It's, it's like you say about um, uh, about how things in sport, like about City going on to win the league anyway with those things in, in 18-19. It's like in, in an environment like they're in, there's not, there, there's, again, I don't want to kind of, blow it out of proportion. Yeah, I don't want to play it down, but I don't want to play it up. Yeah, there, there's nothing wrong in things like this happening as long as, like, it, it could just simply be a clear-the-air talk, you know, after the game and then everything's back to as it was. There's no... Yes. But um, you, you see what I mean? There's no, like, yeah, it, yeah. It, 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 there's no there's no reason to suspect that this is, first off, anything out of the ordinary in, like, in a professional football club and in a, a professional sporting environment. And second yeah. off, there's no reason to explain, to, to, to suggest that, well, this is this is the end of the road. The two have fallen out and it's never going to yeah, work exactly. again. Yeah. Um, I mean, let's say hypothetically, it was quite a bad... Hypothetically, uh, between player A and manager Guardiola, um, let's say hypothetically it was a bad row. And hypothetically strong words were exchanged and um i don't know like the other players felt god this needs sorting out because it's not that's not a good situation um even if that were the case and it was towards the top end of a serious row you know not just a bit of an exchange of words but a proper kind of 
fuck me, this needs sorting out. Even if it was a top-end row like that, again, I'm not trying to play it up. I'm not trying to play it down. I'm trying to just try and give context. Even if it was that, in football, like these things do happen. You know, like when there's a like when players actually punch each other on the training ground and just on Sky Sports News or TalkSport or whatever, you get former players saying, this does happen all the time. Yeah. It's that kind of situation. Do you know what I mean? I'm not saying anybody hit anyone. That's definitely not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that even when there's mad situations like that, when people are actually punching each other and having a fight, footballers always say that happens all the time in football. So it's one of those where even if this is a bad row between Sterling and Guardiola, and you might not believe there was any row because um, Sterling denied it. And look, we've got this press conference soon and Guardiola might be asked and he might deny it as well. Um, But I'm, let's just say we're speaking generally and hypothetically, even if there was a bad row where there was a lot of swearing and that's the reason why Sterling was left out against Fulham and that's the reason why um, Guardiola gave those kind of weird answers about him, his, ab- his absence. Um, even if it's a big one, it's the kind of thing that does happen in football and could be sorted out. Um, I suppose the other thing is, it just flashed into my mind, somebody was asking me, about the Sterling thing yesterday when it was going on, they were like, do you think it would have an impact on contract talks? And that's interesting because if there was, you know, if something serious did happen, uh, and I'm not saying it did, if something serious did happen, then obviously his his contract is kind of in the process of, of being renewed. So it's one of those where, as I was talking about Aguero and Laporte earlier, in terms of not necessarily decisions being made halfway through a season, but, you know, positions being set or people not being happy with a certain situation, there's always time for that to change. And it will be very interesting to see if Sterling's in the team against Gladbach. Um, might be on the bench, might be in the team. If he's not if he's not on the bench, which I don't think would be the case, but if he's not on the bench, then you know, we're gonna have people are gonna have to accept that it's worth it's definitely worth talking about. Yeah. Um but yeah, like in terms of the contract, if if something did happen I'm not saying it did, then it's one of those that could change easily over the next few weeks when, like Laporte, it could be brought back into the team, score a few goals, make Everything, a big contribution. Everything's rosy. Everything's yeah. fine. Because like I say, like it's it's a difficult one because I know things in the media are kind of kind of written one way and things and reactions to things in the media among fans are kind of go one way. And things either have to be seen as overtly positive or overtly negative. But I, like, it's not when I wrote that article about Gabriel Jesus after scoring against Sheffield United. I wanted it to be an article that could be read after Whenever. he had a shocker or when if he scores a trick. You just you just state the facts and what happens. So I'm not trying to play up anything that may or may not have happened between Guardiola and Sterling, and I'm not trying to play it down either. I'm just like this is what might have happened, and if it did happen, it's not the end of the world, but it's something. Worst case scenario now is he picks up a minor knock in training this week and can't be available for the Gladbach well, that game. Was the, that was and the then, issue with Laporte, wasn't it? Yeah, and because then obvi- obviously Guardiola was asked, where is he? And, and he goes, oh, he's picked up a knock. And we all go, oh, well, of course he'd say that. <laughs> yeah, like- but, that, but that would be the mad thing then because like the kind of the situation would then flip where like if I would be able to confirm behind the scenes that definitely, definitely he is injured, it would probably flip a little because then, because now I think the general mood on Twitter is nothing's happened. Or if it did, it was nothing because of just what's been kind of out publicly by Sterling and Guardiola. So fine. But then if that were to happen, I think people would then be like, oh, this is suspicious. But then it would flip because I'm kind of in the position where I'm like, well, you know, don't just count it. But then if I found out he was genuinely injured and everyone was 
kind of skeptical of that, I would then take the position of no, no, he actually is injured. Like this is what happened, but this is he is actually injured. So that's just a kind of a funny example of how it's all narratives basically, isn't it? And what people I suppose want to believe. Yeah. Because I don't think anyone wants to believe that a guy who's been captain several times this season and recent was was he captain for the derby? I don't really pay attention to captains too much. I can't what remember. Uh, n- neither do I, and I can't remember, and I probably should have done. Um, but he has been, been captain this season, and like if he's out of the squad, people don't want to believe that um, there's been a row between a really popular player and you know, obviously a really popular manager. Yeah. Um, but that's, you know, that's, that's a separate point about the kind of climate and how you do stories and when you do stories and what they're about and all kinds of stuff. And, yeah. yeah. Um, let's take some questions from Twitter to finish. Uh, City Tactics says, can we have a bit of a celebration of City looking a threat from set pieces this season and recycled set pieces, hoping it will be decisive in the big matches in the remainder of the season? And out of the blue, City have actually become a little bit dangerous at set pieces, haven't they? Yeah. Um, I do still think they should get more, um, but they have done. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, um, well, Diaz is... Diaz's goal against West Ham wasn't even a set piece, was it? But I guess that was the recycled set piece. Yeah. Um, with when De Bruyne put that ball in with his left foot, and obviously Stones Stones has got four Premier League goals this season. Obviously Stone, Stones is a Trafford. revelation in front of goal this this yeah, last kind of few um, months. I remember when Diaz made his debut against Fulham. I remember speaking to people who weren't like City affiliated, but like were proper like know what they're doing, like a million times more knowledge about football than me. And it was straight away, it was like, you can see the difference Diaz makes on set pieces. And it reminds me a bit of what Carlo Ancelotti said after City beat Everton at Goodison the other week. And he was like, we tried to play the game a bit more on the strong side in terms of go a bit more direct. But he was like, they got Rodri, they got Laporte, they got Diaz. So there's three really big guys that are difficult to handle there. So I think that's part of it. I mean, I do wonder if um, they're doing something you know, differently in terms of the screening, if the deliveries are better. I think Foden takes more. And he wouldn't have taken that many last season because he wouldn't. He wasn't in the team as much last season as he is this season. Um, I remember Foden scored a goal against Burnley, two maybe from a short corner. I think he scored one in the first half from a short corner when he hit it low at the near post. And I think in the second half he got it in that position and maybe did that reverse ball in for a right footer to cross and somebody scored a tap in. And he had a shot against Southampton last week from a short corner. And I thought maybe that's something. You know, we're talking about Juan Marleo's influence. I mean, I'm not sure he does anything on set pieces, and it's probably just the coach, uh, Nicholas Jova, who's who's made that uh, made some changes. I do think the biggest bit is going to be the fact that they've just got three big blokes in the box who know how to head it, yeah. and maybe the delivery's better. And like I say, I, I would need to speak to those people who know a million times more about football than me just to notice what they're actually doing at set pieces, or at least have a closer look at it and to sit down for an afternoon and analyse, you know, this, the screens and the blocks and all that kind of stuff. But I do still think they could... I know this sounds harsh because I say this about they should score more goals generally, but I do think um, the amount of times Diaz and Rodri in particular get on the end of headers and they don't go in and they, like, rub their faces afterwards because they're so annoyed. It's like, I do think City have got more more in them. And more yeah, set, as, as the question says, yeah. it, could really, it could really help. It, it could really help in, in the Champions League or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Tony the Manx says, uh, so I'm hearing Haaland's price is set by Dortmund oh, yeah. at 150 million euros all up front, which if City waived their percentage on Sancho would take it to around 125 million euros-ish. City have never paid anything like that. Here's my question. Do you think mm. they would now? Yeah, well, it is. I mean, I've talked about this before. I don't want to dwell on it too much because I don't want to ha, repeat myself. I'm sure I do all the time anyway. Um, but I've always said it's really difficult making this point like in my own personal view, like to make this point that City are ready to make a big signing. You know, if I've written a story in April about who they want to sign, 
I think I've said before that, you know, they were just keeping an eye on, you know, Hazard's situation when he had 18 months left. And I think Kante's situation as well, because it was like a January time and they, it was just a kind of opportunistic, this guy's out of contract, maybe we could do it kind of thing. Or even, obviously, when they tried to sign Mbappe, obviously, they did that twice that we know of. And one of them was when he left Monaco and it would have been about 130 million or whatever. Um, so it's really difficult to sit and say, they do want to sign these guys or they, they do have this money to spend on one player because the obvious evidence is they don't. They haven't done it. So I completely get, like, I, I feel like sometimes me and the listeners are in a completely different world because it's like the evidence that is, the only evidence that is out there publicly, like this Sterling Guardiola situation, just suggests just nothing like what I'm saying or what's in the media. And obviously I think that's, a big part of not necessarily City's fans' problem with the media, I think that's different, but fans' problem with the media in general is as soon as somebody from a club denies something, it's like that takes precedence over the media like 100 times out of 10. 100 times out of 10? What does that mean? It doesn't mean um, anything, but, you know, here we are. <laughs> in, terms of, in terms of hyperbole, I think that makes a point quite well. People are always <laughs> going to believe players or clubs above, um, above the media unless it's like an unpopular manager that people want to get rid of. Um, but in this sense, it's just the evidence is well, City have only ever spent like what what was Diaz sixty three, with and obviously that was with Otamendi going the other way. So I think he's the the most expensive. Uh, Rodri before that was sixty. Mares was sixty. Mahrez I think Rodri was sixty one maybe. Okay, yeah. and and Laporte before that was fifty seven. So they're going up in kind of incrementally, which is basically like football inflation. Um, but yeah, I know it's difficult. I know it's difficult to believe that whether it's me or to be fair everyone's saying City are going to sign Haaland and they've been saying it for sure before I was saying it for sure or try to sign Haaland it's difficult to say they will spend 100 and whatever million on one player because they've never done it but after saying I don't want to talk about it too much and not want to repeat myself after three minutes of repeating myself and talking about it too much <laughs> I, I do think they if they can you know if they can get him um, they will spend that money. And and the, the kind of simple way I would say that is they are, you know, Jack did the story with Chris Wheeler in the, the mail at the weekend about um, the conversations taking place. You know, it's 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 March. City are trying to sign a player. Yeah. Do you remember before Guardiola came in, there was pictures of Cheeky and, and Gundogan's agent in March. You know, this is when they speak to players. This is how normally in April I've been able to say, who has it been before? Rodri and a winger. And who else? Maguire, which we know didn't happen. Um, but normally around April, I'm in a position to say these are the, either the players they want or the positions because they've sorted it out well in advance. So yeah, if they're talking to Haaland now, they're not then going to go to Dortmund to go, what, you want 100 million? We're only going to pay 70. So yeah. yeah, I mean, look, they might they might haggle. God, we know they haggle. But um, I think they're, they're not going to say we're only going to give you 70 or 75 when Dortmund are saying we want 150 or whatever, you know, they'll, they'll be a bit, they'll be a lot closer than that. I think city realize the potential of this guy and possibly also the importance of just not letting him go to anyone else. Yeah. Cause if, um, if Harlem plays for Chelsea or even United next year, changes, the, changes just, the landscape, doesn't the, it? So the much. title, And obviously with city, presumably if they win it this year, you've then got to fight off the complacency and all that. So, if Haaland goes somewhere else, then yeah, the, the the teams are much closer together. If City sign Haaland, then I don't want to say forget it because I've already said that dynasties don't happen. But Christ, they'll be much stronger next season. Incredibly yeah. stronger. 
On a similar note, uh, Simon Nee asks, do you think Pep would look to replace some of our squad with homegrown players, thinking possibly yeah. Rice for Dino, uh, Chilwell for Mendy? Uh, I know there'll be a premium, but it would give us some wiggle room further down the line as we're always right up against the quota. Yeah, I think the Chilwell ship has sailed, um, not just because he's at Chelsea, but because I've talked about his loads, but City, as far as I know, were close to signing him at the end of 2018-19. And then whatever happened, I can't remember. I think it was Mendy needed another procedure and they couldn't sell him. So they just said, no, we can't do it. Um, I'm not sure exactly how that fits in with Maguire, if you're wondering. I don't know either, because obviously that was the same summer. But um, I think that ship might have sailed. But in terms of the question itself, um, I suppose, I mean, the, the quota is always narrow, isn't it? Like when they didn't get Maguire, they couldn't then get an overseas player. And I always thought it was going to be Diaz, actually. Um they couldn't get an overseas player because they didn't sell Otamendi, which they'd planned to do. And the squad kind of wrote it was full. You're only allowed 17 overseas players and they had 17. And obviously, like Zinchenko in the summer when they, they were going to sell Zinchenko to get a left back or would have, that would have been the only situation where they'd have got a left back. It would have been selling Zinchenko's because they don't want to deregister a lad and have him around the squad. That's awful. Like In terms of Guardiola trying to make this environment where, okay, everyone doesn't play every week, but they better be happy about it and they better pull their weight. You can't do that with a lad who's not in the squad. Um, I know it kind of happened a bit with Yaya Torre, but it was a different time. It was, you know, it was my way or the highway kind of mode and now it's a bit more inclusive. Um, so younger English players, I mean, the difficulty being there is we know City like the 50, 60 million sweet spot. We know they like a buy-up clause because it makes it easier. Um, I don't know. I, I think with with English players, you're automatically going to be paying a bit more. Like, how much is Grealish going to be worth? I was just going. To, I was just thinking about Grealish. Like, how much would he be worth if they're going to get him? Moyes has already said Rice is worth what 100 million. And like, I don't think West Ham would hold out for that in this kind of climate. If somebody banged down 70 million or I don't know 60, maybe they maybe they'd take it. But is anyone going to do that? Maybe I don't know. Maybe Rice is an interesting one. Um, Neda Manua was talking on the. He was on the radio commentary for the West Ham game and he because I, I overheard it because I was sat in front and he was talking about how he kept an eye on him because obviously he'd been linked to big clubs and he wanted to see and he was like I like what I saw today so it, Rice is an interesting one it makes you think it could be an interesting option but generally English players I think fundamentally they have to be good they're not going to get signed because they're English they're going to get signed because they're good and whether it would have been Chilwell a couple of years ago or Maguire a couple of years ago you know they're creeping up towards more than 50 aren't they so yeah. um I suppose it depends because if if clubs are saying look especially like clubs like West Ham and Villa that's their jewel in it and now you can try and charge as much as you want um they've no so need might, to sell it, them is what you're saying they, they yeah, it's, yeah. It, and it's like it's like people might say well Rice is never worth 100 million and I, I he probably isn't but to West Ham he is like who are they how are they going to replace Declan Rice because not only is he homegrown or at least he's been in their academy since he was what 14 maybe even before um, not only he's homegrown, but like he's, he's quality, and he gets like they could they could sign like three midfielders from the French league who could do a job like when Leicester picked up Kante for a bargain. But like we've you know we've seen clubs who get this money in England, they don't always reinvest it the best way. And whether that's like a smaller club or like a big club, you know, like Tottenham selling Bale or whatever, the old sold Elvis and bought the Beatles kind of thing. Like like five years on from that. And Lamella scored a Rabona and got sent off. And like that's <laughs> you know, that's that's just classic and that's just you know, people don't always reinvest that money. So it'll be difficult to get guys like that because 
they're the jewel in the crown of their teams. Um, it would, I think, it would appeal because yeah, English players it always helps. They got Stones, they got Sterling, obviously they got Delph. I'm talking about before with City, they did have a lot of English players in the team. Obviously Walker, and it may be time if they're getting towards a refresh to do that again. But if we're talking about refresh, then I think you know they're going to go big on the striker first of all and take it from there. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello listeners, sorry to interrupt your show, but we've got a small favor to ask. We're currently doing a bit of a survey to find out more about you, your podcast listening habits, and the sort of adverts that are most relevant to you. If you feel like helping, please head to surveymonkey.com slash r slash athletic audio UK. That's pretty catchy, so I'll say it one more time. Surveymonkey.com slash r slash athletic audio UK. Thank you. One final question for this week uh, from Vigils of Billy. Uh, a bit more of a personal question for you, Sam. What's been your personal highlight from your time covering City and how has the pandemic changed the way that you work? Yeah, well, if nobody's asked, you can turn off now. Thanks very much for listening. We'll, we'll see you next week. Yeah, um, but I, I love these sorts of questions, so I, I was desperate to put this one in. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I do as well, because talking about myself, uh, <laughs> I, I, I can't be wrong if I'm talking about myself generally. <laughs> um, my favourite moment, I was going to say getting a transfer story right, but that was probably Paul Dickoff about 20 years ago or something. Um, <laughs> now, favorite, I mean, favourite moment covering the team, because, I mean, personally, it is, it is dropping a a big story that people talk about and then it gets proven to be right. But honestly, I can't remember when the last time that happened. <laughs> um, if they signed all their players, I'd be the English Fabrizio Romano, but they don't sign the players they want. So I'm going to leave you with that um, very arrogant Pep Guardiola-like <laughs> comment. Uh, but unfortunately, yeah, unfortunately, they don't sign their players. So there we go. Um, and yeah, obviously, stuff gets wrong. The thing that's standing out to me is the best thing is just like, you know, when you say, if I was to ask fans what the best thing about going to a game is or the best game they remember, it wouldn't necessarily be the best game or the best thing about going to the game is watching De Bruyne play. It's going with the mates, isn't it? So the the best thing is, like, it's like, normally this is a mad thing, but it's normally like Jack's birthday around the Carabao Cup final. So we all go down to Wembley. City normally, well, City win the final do a bit of work afterwards and then go out in Camden. Like what, like, <laughs> what a life, like, especially this last year, like what I would do, what I would do for that. Like, but obviously, I mean, the highlight covering City, because obviously I think overall, and I think this will definitely be what I'll say when he leaves, but I think it would have to be speaking to Guardiola so often in press conferences and just being able to ask him questions. And look, probably five years in, I wish I was better. Uh, I think I'll get him quite well. Um, but I wish I was better at knowing what to ask him and how to ask him it. I think There's, I'm getting there now, but we're five seasons in. So it's there taken, are occasions, aren't there, when, because I've been in press conferences with Guardiola and there are occasions where you ask him a question and you know he's understood what you're getting at and he gives you and a really good it, answer. Yeah. No, he gives you oh, a really good I, answer. Yeah, well, it, to be fair, that happened earlier in the season, didn't it? When I went really far out of my way to say, look, you're playing really well at the moment. Like, Congratulations for your role in that. Literally, I said that. Uh, but then I went into the whole 
because I really had to labour the point. So when he said on Saturday after the game, ask a shorter question, he knows I'm going to talk a lot. But as you know, I like to get every bit of context in. But also it's really important with Pep because I could have a million thoughts in my head and I could be thinking, I think you're great. There's other people out here who are questioning what you're doing. So I'm asking you because I want you to give a good answer that I can write about and I can show other people that what they think isn't necessarily the case. But if I go straight in and say, why didn't you make any subs today? He's going to think, hold on, dickhead, who are you? Which yeah. is like, so I've got a, I feel like I need to add in all that context. Context. So in January, when I asked him that question, I was really like earlier in the season, you had Gundogan a bit deeper next to Rodri. You had, I can't remember what it was, Cancelo left, left back, Walker right back. You had Mares cutting inside and Sterling cutting inside. And I could see him nodding along. And I almost felt like he was like, this isn't a lazy question on Sam's part. He's thought about this a bit. Um, and obviously he was just in a good mood because nobody can dispute that earlier in the season he was in a bad mood and I was in a good mood. Yeah. Like, I'm not even judging that. That's just that's just stating facts. So yeah, that was a good day in the sense that when he gives you an answer like that, it's great. So... I mean, the best thing about doing it and the highlight of doing it is kind of just go into games. And like when I, you know, when we have those, the nights out or even you meet up before games, like you get to see mates who are City fans. You know, my mates who are City fans, you, you get to see them at the game. And that, that element to it is great. But it, like professionally, it, it, I think it's probably the, the, um, the Guardiola press conferences. Another thing that, again, I, I, I did say, if you're not bothered, don't listen. Um, Another thing that's really interesting and is so stressful is times when you're working on a story, either against the clock because you think someone else has got it or just, you know it's going to cause problems, but you know it's true. It's so stressful because like City, like City just doing their jobs. They don't want... So I'm going to use the Mahrez story from earlier in the season as an example. And you might be able to draw parallels with the, Ster with the Sterling example now. But you're working on a story and you know it's... You know the info's legit and you think that's good. Like... and. You think fans aren't going to like it because it's not a positive story, but it's something that happened and is interesting to the context of the team. And you've got you've got to really fight to get the info. You've got to really fight to be able to publish it, and then you might get blowback afterwards, either from fans or in Mara's case, that that is quite that is quite re rewarding when you go through that process of getting a story out because there's so many details you might have gathered from how I talked earlier on about this weekend situation. There's so many details that. You just can't say, even if they're true. And it's nice to be able to get those out into the public domain. Uh, it's even nicer when they don't get disputed publicly by a player. But yeah. um, <laughs> and the other thing, how has it changed over the last year? Um, it's just it's all hard. on Zoom, isn't it? It's hard. It's, yeah, it's all on Zoom. And it's, it's, it, it's more hard because the way you would get information, obviously you'd have to, you'd have to test these sources out over, the time, over time. Like you couldn't take this... You couldn't take what you told at face value straight away, you know, because if somebody got in touch with you and said, oh, I know so-and-so and blah, 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 this is, you couldn't go and run with that straight away because you, you've got no idea who this guy is or where he's got it. But once you get to the stage of trusting people, you then, you pick up people who speak to players or speak to the family of players or coaches or whoever it may be. These are kind of hypothetical examples. But these are people who meet them at the, you know, they... They drink in the same pub or their daughters work, go to the same nursery or whatever. Do you know what I mean? So you're speaking to people then who have spoken to others who have got the information. And then you know, because you can contrast it from other sources and you know from you know track record that they've got, that they're reliable. That's where you get a lot of stories from. But nobody's, 
you know nobody's in those situations they're not meeting each other at workplaces or or nurseries or whatever so there, there has been less information so that's been difficult particularly i feel like i'm getting a bit more back in the groove now but if you remember how i was talking about things in january it was very much well i don't know and i don't want to i don't want to blag that i do know when i don't i want to be honest about that but it i didn't feel great about the talking about Aguero situation and Haaland situation earlier in the season because I was like well if you read this and you read that you know that's how you can piece these things together but I can't tell it because I don't know I feel like that's coming back a bit now while plans are a bit more concrete but the hardest thing and how things have changed the most over the last year is that less conversations are happening so there's less information floating around yeah Uh, and also you can't see people because if you're whatsapping someone or even on the phone yeah they can tell you but sometimes things just to spill out when you're speaking face to face and it's not the case you know i don't really need to explain because this is just how human interactions work in any walk of life but it's not the case that they go oh shit i shouldn't have said that but they're just more people are just more open we see it with the podcast as well it's easier to podcast when you're sat opposite oh, yeah. each other yeah well i mean look i've not been able to write anything about the sterling situation but even just in the sense of you can hear me talk and you can hear me give all the context and caveats which is why i get annoyed about the aggregators sometimes because that that context gets pushed straight away but also it's not their fault that when they tweet out a story or present something as new because it's been said, people are immediately replying, well, that's not new or that's not, you know, why is that? That's never the headline. Of, you know, if they put something that I've said in the eighth part or somebody else has said in the eighth part of a story, we're not saying that's the headline. But as soon as it goes on an aggregator, people are on your back saying, oh. It, so that's, that's difficult. So, yeah, a lot of context has been robbed. So, yeah, you, you do see that. You the face-to-face stuff sometimes over the phone is better but look if i bumped into if i bumped into somebody on the street later on and they said what's going on with sterling i'd i'd be able to say more than i've said today yeah because that's just how it works uh, but the other thing is obviously i've got a baby who's um 54 weeks old so and like there's been no nurseries there's been no swimming classes there's been no soft play classes so he's been at the house the whole time you know at the moment he's in the kitchen with my wife and you know later on we'll swap over next couple of days she's working and i'll take him more and, and i'll have to work less so i'll be working in, not that it's a, a big deal but but the pattern changes i'll be working in the evening or i'll get at most an hour and a half two hours while he's asleep to try and blitz through a bit of work but then after that it's all disjointed and you go back to sending whatsapps and stuff to try and find out what's going on so the work patterns change completely yeah. and, but the other and the only other thing is without that information because before I'd be able to speak to people who know exactly why guardiola's done something in terms of tactically goes he's done this because of that so if you remember that last summer, even though it was locked down, a good example of that was the the Pauser thing and why Gundogan plays a lot and why Silver, you know, is so important. That's great because I know for a fact that that's why Guardiola's picking his team. But without the info flowing quite so freely at the moment, I've had to do a bit more analysis myself, which is possible because I'm at the Athletic and we can go into Scout and watch games back and we can watch specific clips and we've got quite detailed stats and data guys. But... I need to then, it, it's much harder to write those articles because if I've got the information and I know it's true, whether this has happened or they want to sign this guy or Guardiola's done this because of this, I can write that easy because I've got the information and that's part of my job. And I've, But I've, I've got it. Hopefully other people haven't got it and it's, it takes me half an hour, 45 minutes to sit down and write. But when I've got to sit and watch the games myself and go, oh, they're doing this and I think it's because of this. And I better ask Pep about that in the press conference. Or oh, he said this before. And you've got to piece it all together. And you've got to check all the data. You've got to check all the different examples just to make sure what you're saying is right. Because imagine trying to analyse a Pep Guardiola team 
without his direct input or somebody's like indirect input from the coaching staff and say this is what they're doing it's so much harder and it's so much harder to write and it takes forever so just as a last point when i wrote that article the other week about bernardo and de bruyne and the differences in them um playing in the team and you know the, the general assumption is um de bruyne gives the ball away a lot and therefore city are less stable and they get counter-attack more so i sat and watched for an hour every shot that the opposition had or every counter-attack that every opposition had had since December just to see if uh, De Bruyne had given away a disproportionate amount and that barely goes in the story but all he, all you can say is they don't you know they don't really there's there's no direct impact on yeah it's negligible on, on, on the amount of counter-attacks exactly but like it takes you an hour just to just to see that and I've got to fit the hour into when Leo's asleep so yeah I, I like I said at the start I hope people haven't got to the end of this and been bored. I hope people have only carried on listening because they've been interested. And I know it's it, it is it is like you said it's it's more of a personal one. But it's been a it's not. I'm not saying it's been a bad year by any means. Like I'm I'm, I'm one of those guys who start to be grateful for what they've got. Um, just a different year. It's just it's just it's been different. It's been harder in in some cases. And you know Leo's going to nursery soon. It's going to be mad. Like if my wife goes back into her office as well and Leo's at nursery, it's gonna it's gonna genuinely be be really mad but I mean hope the most important thing for me will be people having those conversations again because yeah. there'll be more there'll be more information and then it's just it's, it's just, the whole job is much easier yeah nice little insight to uh, to finish on uh, that's it for this yeah. week's Why Always Us uh, I'm David Booney thanks as ever to Sam Lee thanks guys uh, you can sign up to The Athletic right now for three ninety nine a month for six months just use the code MANCITYPOD The Athletic <laughs>